one. There it is. We're here. We're back. It's the last day of the week for our show. So welcome, everybody. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we're going to talk about shame, reducing it, and improving our relationships. Got an awesome guest for y'all today. So tune in. We're going to have some fun. Here we go. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Wednesday. If you're joining us here for the first time today, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know that we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, at least until the end of this month. That's right, folks. The Practicing Polyamory Podcast Season 1 is coming to an end on October 27th, but we will be back rocking and rolling in February of next year. So, for the rest of this month, if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show before the end of our first season, slide into my DMs and let me know or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media, media platforms at Practicing Polyay. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk talk about. Uh, and as always, as a reminder, if you're listening to the, pod, to the podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We'll have plenty of spots available for next season. None of us are perfect. We're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves. And the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com. Sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. Now to the best part. Let's introduce today's guest. Our guest today is a holistic and integrative therapist, social worker, educator, and yogi with a passion for empowering her clients to tap into the abundant resources that already exist within their inner being. Not only does she help her clients bring the best of themselves to the surface, she also excels at helping them build a toolbox of outer resources that they can use in their journey toward healing. We all have one thing or another that we're healing from or some shame that we're carrying, and it's our guest pleasure to welcome you to the powerful tool of psychotherapy to integrate your mind, body, and spirit. Tune in today as we talk about reducing shame around sex, sexuality, identity, and self-image, and how shame reduction is key toward healthier relationships. Joining us today from New York City, welcome to the show. Sarah Betts. Hi. Where are we at? <laughs> oh, come on, producer. You're dropping. What am I even paying this guy for? Secret, <laughs> I don't actually pay him. Thank you, producer. We love you. We love you. At Business Bros Pod. Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and spending some time. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. It's uh, quite a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure is all mine. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. You've been, uh, I guess, a therapist for quite some time. Uh, shame has, I guess, come up a lot in your practice. Uh, let's hear a little bit about your, your history and uh, kind of what got you into therapy, a little bit of just your background and how shame plays a part in, uh, in your practice today. Sure. Yeah. So I have been 
practicing as a therapist for about 10 years, um, which is kind of insane to say. I came up on 10 <laughs> years and was like, where did the time go? Um, <laughs> I feel old. Um, but uh, essentially, you know, it, it kind of even started before I started. My journey started before I became a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, I got a bachelor's of social work and then I got my master's in social work. So social work is something that I've wanted to do pretty much forever. Um, it started because, uh, you know, I was giving advice to friends in high school and a friend's mom was like, you should get paid for that. And I went, yes, I should actually. <laughs> so, totally. Man, uh, I have a perfect clip for that, actually. Where's that right here? If you're good at something, never do it for free. Much, yes, I agree with that. Don't ever do anything for free. Um, so, uh, so essentially, you know, from that point, I went into school, I did all the classes, I, you know, and while shame didn't necessarily come up then, I don't remember it as sort of like one of the, you know, topics on the, on the syllabus or anything. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that like underscores pretty much everything, you know, right. identity and gender and sex and sexuality, um, trauma. Uh, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in my work, it just kept coming up over and over again. And I don't know, again, it was probably about maybe three to five years ago that I really started to actually understand and look at shame itself, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of identify a lot of the things that people felt as shame. You know, so a right. lot of people will identify and talk about guilt. Nobody wants to touch shame. It feels too icky. It's like, I feel so guilty about this. And it's like, well, let's like separate that. Um, so Again, as it started coming up more and more, I realized that a big part of what I do is just to help people to reduce shame around so much of themselves. You know, they come in and they talk about, I feel bad about this, or I'm such a that, or I, you know, uh, so much negative self-talk. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I just kind of realized that a huge part of my job is really in saying, you're just a human being. Um, right. And so... I've made it a, a bigger part of my work now in the work that I do, particularly around trauma, identity, and sexuality, um, to really describe it and name it as shame. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of the sort of slow journey with how I came to discover, you know, that shame is a huge part of, shame reduction is a huge part of what I do. I like it. I like it. And uh, I hope that we are able to dive in deep on all of that today. So let's start with uh, just identifying what, shame is like how do you define shame i love that, that you uh brought out the difference like there is a difference between guilt and shame we'll kind of get into that maybe a little bit later on uh but let's start by just you know what is shame or maybe where does shame come from mm. so shame to me is something that can be done to someone else or done to yourself a lot mm -hmm. of times people actually learn shame because someone else has shamed them and then they take that on as a practice for themselves. So for instance, society, society, I know the sort of big amorphous mm -hmm. thing that is society um, has a tendency to say, you can be this, but you can't be that. And so right. in setting up that dynamic, you then say everyone who is that thing that we can't be is like wrong or bad. And so someone learns to take that on and say, oh, so that must mean that because I'm this thing, I'm wrong or bad. And 
again, I, I'm going to go just a teensy bit into the difference between guilt and shame here, just sure, to kind of sure. identify shame more. But basically it's that, you know, shame is someone uh, feeling badly for who they are and guilt is feeling badly for something that they've done. So guilt is more about an action. And I actually think that there can be a healthy amount of guilt or a recognition of that. Whereas for me, shame is really something that I find uh, kind of not helpful. Not helpful at all. Like there is so, so you're saying that there's a healthy level of guilt sometimes if we feel mm -hmm. bad about something that we did or whatever, mm -hmm. but shame you're saying is just never helpful at all. Kind of in my opinion. And I know that that's a pretty stark opinion, but yeah, because you know, the idea of saying I'm bad to me is not helpful, you know, because mm -hmm. it, it help it really just keeps someone stuck it keeps someone stuck in an action and a behavior and a feeling in you know uh, a story about themselves and so by actually being able to look at that story and understand that it doesn't make you a bad person just because you struggle with addiction or you have you know a specific identity that you know society has labeled as like wrong or other um those things don't actually mean that you are bad and i know mm -hmm. you know again I, I think it's like it's a pretty harsh view like it's a pretty you know sort of i tend to not be very binary about things <laughs> and this is like one of the few things where i'm like nope i don't only like a it. sith deals in absolutes so <laughs> i could get into that too i have been told that i can use my powers for evil and so sith has been thrown around <laughs> not gonna lie but I like to consider myself a Jedi first and foremost. Uh, you know, Grey Knight probably, maybe. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's a whole different podcast. It is. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I love it, though. Uh, you know, uh, the, the way that you uh, describe that as shame has to do with who I am versus guilt is, you know, what I've done. So when I think of, of shame and, and who I am, uh, I mean, I immediately think of, like, identities um, and, you know, for a lot of us, I mean, there's a whole channel, uh, committed to, to the, the eschewing of purity culture, mm -hmm. right. And religion and all these upbringings that taught us that, you know, there's only one right way to do relationships and, uh, shout out to purity to polyamory, by the way. Um, there's there's this this shame that we definitely carry around or we can carry around as we start to open up our relationships about like hey you know i grew up with a conservative background i grew up in the church i was told that this is the right way to do it and for whatever reason that i'm finding out that polyamory works for me now what i have to shed this identity of who i was and mm. like accept this new one i mean do you i feel like that's that's common uh in in what i've seen in my experience that mm -hmm. uh those two identities can't really coincide have you seen any different like have you have you met people who still uh resonate with like their religious upbringings but are able to also identify as poly or even gay or you know anything along those lines that is against what their religion teaches? Yes, actually. I mean, it's, it's something... <laughs> so I think it is something that is 
very uncommon. Um, but I think that, you know, when we're talking about identities, so much of it is actually about integration rather than like disintegration, you know? So integrating our different identities sometimes means that we take essentially the things that still work for us. We take, we take what we need and leave the rest, you know? Right, and, right. Um, and so I think, you know, to go with the sort of religion and polyamory piece, I think that, you know, for some folks, the community aspect of spirituality can be really helpful. The, you know, connection to higher power, God, universe, spirit, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it calls to you. Um, those things can be really helpful. You know, they can be really. Uh, There's power in that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so it's not to say that, you know, I've seen someone specifically say, oh, I'm, I'm still Catholic and I'm practicing, you know, as a, a polyamory. But I, I do think that the ability to say, here are the values that I learned from childhood. Here are the things that I've taken, you know, from from my upbringing. And here are the things that I actually want to leave behind. Mm -hmm. And in that mm -hmm. way, integrating, not to say that all of it was like all bad, you know, but to say, here's what I need from this. And here's what I want from this. And how do I take that into moving forward? So, you know, in practicing in something, in a relationship structure that is not supported by many religions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, being able to, to take those things and say, okay, so how do I fit this in? You know, and, and that can be a really difficult task, but one that I think that's kind of what, you know, therapy is, is about is really that integration of identities that, you know, right, the right. ability to bring all of you and say, here's all of me, here's all the parts I don't like and go, okay, well, how do we actually integrate that with all the parts you do like because you're this human, this whole being, whether it's, you know, because often, again, it's it's someone else who has told you this is wrong about right. you. Right, right, right. And uh, I, I love this uh, integrating versus disintegrating, like, uh, I, I, I love that, that analogy that you use, that, that uh, terminology that you're using. So I guess uh, when it comes to what you were saying, to integrate these things uh, into ourselves, I, I was going to ask this question of, of what do we need to overcome shame? But mm -hmm. maybe like overcome is not the right word. Maybe it's not mm -hmm. a matter of overcoming shame. Like uh, is is it more like navigating? Is it dealing with it? Like when when your clients come to you and they have all of this shame that they're carrying, like how do you help them deal with that? Like, do you help them overcome it, or is it something different? I mean, I think in some sense, you know, that could be a helpful framework. I don't think that you know overcoming it is necessarily because again, that sort of demonizes and makes shame the enemy. And again, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm one for not shaming others as, you know, as a pretty hard line for me. Sure. Um, but I also understand that it happens. We're human, you know? And so again, I'm not going to like demonize it. I'm not going to demonize shame and say that it is not a feeling that we have and not a sensation that we have, not part of our like nervous system bodies, you know, all of that. But I think that it is more like navigating, you know, being able to navigate almost in a way befriending it more than sort of making it the enemy. Um, because when you can understand how shame looks for you, 
what it does to you and for you. So, you know, what it leads you to do or not do the parts of yourself that it has led you to kind of shut off from. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, you know, sort of getting to know it. And so it's kind of like building a relationship with, with your own shame so that it's not necessarily needed in the same ways anymore. So it's not that we're like trying to totally get rid of it, which is, Sometimes I get, you know, I get the urge, I get the urge to like push that shit away. Um, but, uh, but it's more about, you know, really saying, okay, so how does shame look for me and how do I, how do I deal with it? Yeah. How do I navigate through it? How do I understand what it's doing and what is it not doing for me? That seems to have like this really deep sense of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like really, really deep. I don't think that I have given a lot of thought to what does shame look like for me. Can you can you give me like some examples, maybe some clients that you've worked with and some things maybe that come up to help answer that question of what does shame look like for me? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I can talk about what shame looks like for me because I, you know, I've as someone mm-hmm. who's like dealing with shame regularly, I have to know what it looks like for me. It it looks like this like sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. It's very visceral. I mean, our, our emotions are, they play out in our bodies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so for me, it's something that like I get really hot. I get you know, red or flushed. Um, similarly to embarrassment, you know, if I'm embarrassed, I'll, I'll, I'll blush, but shame is, is similar where I get, oh my God, I'm so hot. And I just, I think the, the biggest piece for me is that, that, um, that sinking sensation, but it also mm-hmm. leads to something that is sort of more shut down. Like I don't really want to engage with people. I don't really want to respond, you know? So that's how it looks for me. It doesn't mean that, that it'll look that way for everyone, but I give that example because it's important to be able to identify how it looks for you in mm-hmm. your own body, in your own actions. Again, it's not something that usually leads to a feeling of like connection. Oh, I'm ashamed. Let me connect with this other person. It really, it usually leads to this like, whoop, and now I'm like bad or wrong, or, you know, it can be mixed with disgust sometimes, depending on, on what's going on. So that's just sort of one example of like how it can look. Now, learning how to identify that for yourself is uncomfortable. It is, because what it means is that you're feeling the shame or you're like mm-hmm. getting to know it enough that it's like present. And, mm-hmm. and so when you can actually do that, it also increases your ability to kind of tolerate it, to sit with it and say, Ooh. oh, I know what this is. Oh, this doesn't actually have to take over everything or, oh, I'm feeling really shut down now. What's, what's going on here? You know, it can kind of lead to curiosity rather than that pushing away. Oh man, that sounds scary. Like to be able to just sit with my shame, like mm-hmm. that's so like just thinking about it, I'm like cuz cuz I I get what you're saying, right? Like if I start to feel shame, the first thing I want to do is get rid of it. Like any bad feeling that I have, mm-hmm. like I want to find a way to get rid of it. I don't want to feel bad. Who wants to feel bad? Mm-hmm. Right? No one. But <laughs> the way you're talking about it is like, no, 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 just sit there, get comfortable with it, get to know it like a friend almost and and, you know, discover what it what it is. I, I really like the idea of uh, feeling it in 
in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the the therapists that I've talked to, they've they've made that reference over and over and over again. You, we we feel our emotions in our body. If we mm-hmm. feel fear, you know, we can check our body and say, where do we feel it? If we feel sadness, we can check our body and say, where do we feel it? Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about shame. Uh, that same, you, you, you mentioned the same thing. It's like, you feel it in the pit of your stomach and, uh, each of us will probably feel it differently. And and it's up to us to check in with our bodies and see, uh, what that difference is or or, or where where that feeling is. Um, I want to get into back into, uh, that difference between shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. I really love the way that you simplified it and said, shame is something about, who I am, guilt is something that I've done. Mm-hmm. And I would guess, I would venture to guess, and I'm just thinking back to like my own experiences that I would feel that differently. Like I'm trying to think of, of different times when I've felt shame versus guilt. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that differently uh, in my body. I guess my question is like, what are, what are the different approaches i guess like do do we approach if i was your uh, a client like would would you help me approach shame or guilt in different ways and how kind of so first off you know when i say to like sit with your shame it's a practice it is like small doses first it's called titration it's like you know you put uh in uh in science you put a little dropper full uh like you titrate you put mm-hmm. one dropper full of something in and it sits in the rest of the pool of water. It's like, okay, that's what we do with feelings. Um, and so with any feeling, you know, um, whether it's in session or if I'm having a client sort of practicing, allowing space for their emotions outside, I have them time it sometimes. So sit with it for five seconds, put a timer on five seconds and that's it. And then if you need to shut off, if you need to shut down, if you need to distract, if you need to use a coping mechanism, if you need to do something else, great, fine you've allowed for five seconds. So with any emotion, you know, especially an emotion that feels really intensive, because again, we all have our, our sort of sore spots. You know, we have the things for some people, they struggle with anger, others, they struggle with sadness. So mm-hmm. it's going to be different for everyone. But titration is really, really helpful. Um, because again, it's sort of this like, gradual process of getting used to. So with guilt and shame, I'd start with that in, in just gaining awareness first of the differences, you know, for someone. So if you were my client, we would talk about, well, how do they look to you? How are they different? Do they get confused a lot? Do you often take it on as something that's like, oh, my action means that suddenly I'm a bad person or, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I've had this thought of, you know, cheating on my spouse. And so now I'm this like horrible spouse or horrible partner. It's like, no, <laughs> you're not. I mean, like, um, so, so I think it's, it's those sort of practices. Um, but with guilt and shame specifically, I do think that, uh, with guilt, I really, again, want people to identify like what's the action or what's the behavior. And then a lot of times we'll actually talk about, okay, and how do you deal with that? Like, what do you do with it? Is there something to do with it? If you feel that you have harmed someone or wronged someone or done something that, you know, doesn't align with your values. So that's usually the the framework that I use or the the language that I use is guilt is when you do something that doesn't align with your values. Um, And 
then we figure out what the values are. How were you mm. out of alignment and how can you get back into alignment? You know, so in a poly relationship, let's say you were going on a date and you forgot to, you know, it, you hadn't agreed upon, you know, uh, arrangement to text before you went home with someone. And let's say you forgot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So sometimes people will get so much shame or feel so badly and so intensely for doing something wrong. Um, doing something wrong. Like you haven't Quote, actually done anything wrong. You may have made a mistake. So that's another thing. You may have made a mistake also different from like wrong or bad. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But it's in, it's in addressing that and then messaging your partner as soon as you remember saying, Hey, I realize I, I did this thing and I'm going to try really hard next time not to, or here's how I'm going to do something different or, Hey, can we talk about how this works? Cause I realize in practice, it's much harder for me to remember, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're moving forward with it. Whereas with shame, it would be like, I'm so ashamed. And it often just stops there. It, it keeps people stuck in that mm. feeling so that they have trouble connecting, have trouble kind of doing something about it. That makes a lot of sense. We're why... not worthy. We're not worthy. Right? We feel so <laughs> unworthy. I, 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 thank you. Good job, producer. We feel so <laughs> unworthy when we, when we do something like that and we hold it uh against ourselves i mean i i know i've done that and i love the way that you that you explain that it's like if i feel guilty about something then i'm more likely to take some kind of an action to remedy that and to try and make it better but if i feel shame about something it's just like this internalized beating myself up for it and mm -hmm. thinking that i'm this horrible person because i i did this this thing that I wasn't supposed to do or whatever. Um, but it just, it stops. And that's like, mm -hmm. that's huge. And I was going to ask, uh, you know, to kind of cap off our, 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 our conversation here, you know, um, how all of this ties to improving relationships. I almost feel like you answered it just with that, but <laughs> you know, uh, Let's 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 give you a chance to, you know, uh, finish that thought when it comes to reducing shame to improve relationships. Like what are some things that you've seen in your practice or in your own life uh, that are that really stand out to you? How a relationship relationship can be improved once someone gets rid of that shame or, or learns to handle it in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing is to talk about it which is the hardest thing to do. You know, huh. it's the hardest thing to say, this is a thing that I'm ashamed of, you know, but that's one of the reasons that I, again, I, I realized through the work that I do that just such a large part of my job was to sit and, and bear witness to the things that someone feels ashamed of and say, there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And so in both being a partner who's expressing shame and being a heart partner who's hearing shame, there are kind of different things that you can do. One is to say something like the story I'm telling myself. So you can also kind of take it and say, you know, like, I recognize that there's something going on here. I recognize that this isn't necessarily what's entirely happening or I don't really understand it, but like, here's what's going on for me. And then if you're the partner hearing it, Lots of validation, reassurance, affection, those things can be really helpful. Just saying, you're a human being. I'm here with you. I'm here for you. 
that was must have been really hard to tell me because it's so so crucial that we don't keep our shame to ourselves you know Mm -hmm. because when we do it just festers it's it's one of those feelings that just sits and it festers over time and it builds upon itself and it's this like huge story about you know someone told you once that this was not an okay thing to be. And so then for the rest of your life, you find the evidence to prove them right. And Mm. when you recognize that and recognize those stories and work to undo that shame, you then spend the rest of your life working to find evidence to say, oh, that's actually not true. What is true is that I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to, you know, do things that I don't align with my values that I like Mm -hmm. don't agree with. I'm going to make mistakes. And how do I do that with grace, with compassion? How do I fuck up and apologize or make amends? Um, And those are hard things, but you know, I think shame in relationships, it's, it's really important that it kind of be about like communication and like non-judgmental curiosity, you know, really non-judgmental curiosity about what's happening for you and your partner. Or partners, as it were. <laughs> or partners. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. I, I can't help but to think of, like, my journey through uh, uh, religion and kind of mm. breaking away from that for myself. Uh, had nothing to do with polyamory at the time, um, but it definitely had a lot to do with guilt and shame and never feeling good enough and, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so... Um, it was it was really that you know it was the guilt and shame that that pushed me away from uh from religion more than anything else mm-hmm. um and unlearning this idea that i was unworthy as uh, as our producer played that clip mm-hmm. um always you know carrying that feeling around and and finally just accepting that i'm i'm human and i'm and i'm okay mm-hmm. so ah uh, mm-hmm. sarah this has been such an incredible conversation. Uh, thank you again so much for uh, spending some time with me here today. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to share with our audience, um, especially our listening audience. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, if somebody wants to work with you, how can they do that? Um, and what do they need to do? Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. This has been I love talking about shame. It's it's a horrible feeling, but I love talking about it. Um, so thank you for giving me the space to do that. Um, if you want to work with me, if you want to, you know, talk about shame or talk about reducing shame, as it were, um, you can. The best way to get reach uh, get in touch with me is um, on my website, the contact form. So you go to sarahbetz.com, which is s a r a h b e t z dot com. Um, there's a contact page. You can reach out to me. Um, you can also email me at sarahbetslcsw at gmail.com. Uh, and I will get back to you usually within 24 to 48 hours. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the best way to get in contact with me. So thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Perfect. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah, for spending some time with me today. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you to Robbie and the rest of our live audience. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid commercial interruptions and 
be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, at least for the rest of this month, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever you download your podcast, and if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we've got for you all today. As always, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And until next week, every day. Have a nice day! Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.